This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by Beaver Creek Game Calls. At Beaver Creek Game Calls, all of our calls are handcrafted and held up to the highest standards. Our goal is to provide a quality custom call that every hunter can afford. We strive every day with this goal in mind. We also take pride in our customer service because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we love and that is to make quality custom hunting calls. All of our calls are proudly made in the USA. Visit us online at beavercreekgamecalls.com and let us build your next call. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Robery, and guys, uh, welcome to the show this week. I'm thrilled and excited to get together with you guys. We are now just a day away, or two days away, I should say, from opening uh, weekend of the second split of duck season here in Louisiana, and we are all excited. I'm sure you guys are pumped and ready to go. Uh, looking at the date today, we are sitting at, uh, well, we sitting at the 16th today of December and man, I got to tell you, it don't feel like Christmas and it don't feel like duck season at the moment, but, uh, we, we have some pretty high temperatures. It's way warmer than it normally is for this time of year. But, uh, but you know what? It's still duck season and it's still hunting season. If you're not in a waterfowl hunt, you're probably out there deer hunting or chasing whatever it is you're after. Uh, so Times are good and God is God is good as always. So, like we always say, man. So, uh, but I hope everybody's having a good night tonight. I know most of us have one day of work left this week to uh to go in tomorrow before we hunt this weekend and we head to the woods or to the camp. And uh and we're looking forward to it just like you guys are. So thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode, whether you're tuning it live uh here on our YouTube channel or our Facebook live, we appreciate it. And uh, please like and share it with your friends. We appreciate it. If you're tuning in, we appreciate you sharing all of it with your friends and uh, passing on the word, guys. Uh, but I'm excited about this week's show. Like I mentioned, uh, we have a special guest on the show this week with us. And it's a, uh, it's a friend of mine that I struck up a conversation with on social media. That's the blessing with social media nowadays, guys. And he is a gentleman right here in Louisiana, in our backyard, that is a avid outdoorsman, enjoys uh, the great outdoors here in Louisiana, just like you and I do. And I'm really excited to welcome him onto the show and pick his brain about his company and his platform that he's he's promoting out there. He's an up-and-coming content maker, um, and he has some really good content that I think you guys are going to be interested in, uh, in seeing what he has to offer if you're not already familiar with him. So without that, uh, without further ado, guys, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to bring Mr. Connor Fontenot in on the show with us right now. We're going to bring him in live. And if you guys have any questions for us, man, just leave us a uh, response right here in the uh, in the chat room on the live. We'd appreciate it. But let's get 
Connor in with us right now and bring him on in. All right, there he is, Mr. Connor Fontno with Rising Sun Films. How's it going, buddy? It's going good, dude. Thanks for having me on. Bro. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. It's uh, Like I mentioned, I know you and I haven't had a formal relationship or anything like that previously to us, me reaching out to you on social media. And, uh, man, I'm glad to, uh, glad to have you on, and I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk with me as well as our listeners, man. Well, yeah, man, that's no problem. No problem. Yep. I know uh, I told everybody in the opening, I said, uh, you know, it's opening weekend, second split this weekend. A lot's going on, whether you waterfowl hunt or you deer hunt right now. Man, it's a great time of year, but it don't exactly feel like hunting season right now, Connor. It's a little warm in Louisiana. <laughs> I know, man. I know. And it's like, I don't know, bro. It's, I can't get over it because, like, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of – I'm a younger gentleman, you know, I'm, I'm 23 years old. So I hear a lot about like, you know, in, in the good days, in the good days, yep. I don't, these are the good days for me. So I'm, you, I, this is what I'm used to, you know, I'm not used to the massive cold fronts that you hear about from your great grandpa and stuff like that, you know? So it's kind of, it's always a little weird when I hear, when I hear stuff like that, because it's, that's just, I don't know it, you know, I don't know it. So I can't miss it. Yep, that's exactly right. And, and we talk about that on the show all the time. That's uh, something we talked about last episode. You know, the good old days are now. Like my buddy, I have a good buddy of mine who's a guy, Roland Cortez, and Roland's been on the show with us. He, uh, he, uh, he always says, he says, you know what, Jacob, the good old days are now, he says, because, uh, you know, that may be what that the, the generation that's hunting now being introduced to, that's what they know, and that's exactly what you said just now, you know? Yep. So those are good. Hey, to be honest with you, I'm 42 years old, and I, it's getting hard for me to remember them old days where it was cold <laughs> and we could hunt when it was uh, nice and cold during December here in Louisiana. So, but uh, but man, look, I, like I mentioned, thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, and for everybody who doesn't know Connor, if you're not familiar with him, you guys are going to get acquainted with him a little bit more and his company, uh, Rising Sun Films LLC. Uh, we're going to introduce you to him, get to know him on this episode. Uh, but Connor, tell everybody, if you don't mind listening, where do you reside at? Where are you from and where did you grow up at, man? So I live in Lake Charles. Um, that's where I grew up. That's how I'm born and raised. And that's my whole life. I've lived here. Um, it's kind of a nice in, in between, in the middle of everything. You know, you head straight up north. You're in Toledo and Rayburn for fishing. You know, you head southwest, southeast, you're in Sabine, you're in Lacassine for hunting. So you're kind of, it's like a really good midway point just for like everything. You know, you're not, you're not fully immersed in certain areas. So it's, it's very easy to break off and do different kinds of things, you know? Yeah, you're right. That's a, I mean, it really, you know, we talk about Louisiana being sportsman's paradise, Connor, and really the eastern or, you know, the western part, I'm sorry, of the state, man, you in a, it's a great area to be in because, there's so much activity that you could get involved in, whether you love to fish. You can saltwater fish, freshwater fish, Toledo Bend, like you mentioned. You can waterfowl hunt, deer hunt. Do it do it all, man, just to be honest with you. You can yep. do it all. You know, it's yep. a great yep. area. But yep. you know what? Some I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a little bit later about uh, – and we'll, and we'll kind of get into that. I'll save it for a little bit later. But uh, your company, Rising Sun Films, uh, yep. I reached out to you, man, because, you know, I saw – to be honest with you, I saw a lot of myself in your content, your video content that you're putting out there. Um, 
And you mentioned that you're a younger, younger man, you know, different generation, obviously, than I grew up in. But, um, you know, your passion for the outdoors is, is what I share. It's the same. I have that same feeling to pursue public land, whether it's public land hunting, private land hunting, fishing, waterfowl hunting, whatever it may be, you know. Right. And, uh, and, and a lot of what struck me about you was kind of how sincere you were in the videos that you have out there right now on social media and your YouTube channel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what I mean by that is that, you know, your group of guys that y'all hunt together with, fish together with, y'all cut up and you have a good time, you know, yeah. and you have fun with it. But then there's also on the, on the other side of that, you have a serious side. And that's what really struck me, man. You, Something that you you do in your videos that I saw that I really liked a lot was how you sit in front of the camera one on one, and you talk you talk and you you just you you share your emotions, you know how yeah. you feel, whether it's a it's a good experience or a bad experience, and you kind of let people get inside, you know, to yeah. what you're thinking and kind of what your raw emotions are, and that means a lot as an outdoorsman to be able to share that content and that emotion with other people because. A lot of times we, we hold that back as outdoorsmen. You don't want to share that, you know? Yes. So and that's really what got me attracted to you, man, as far as your content. And I've become a huge fan, and that's why I wanted to, to get together and have you on the show. Nice, man. I appreciate it. So that's interesting that you said that because, honestly, the whole – like, I struggled when I started first making videos. First of all, you know, because you make videos too – you got to get over that hump of like getting used to talking to a camera. It's really weird at first. Like you feel like this isn't right, but it is right. You know? So like, yep. it's really tough. Like and I say, when you're starting out, I only have, I'm, I'm not up there with the subscriber count at all, but you got to talk like you have an audience. Like you got to believe that there's people watching your stuff, even if there's not, because it really does make a difference. Like it's tough to like talk to the camera but I do realize that even just starting out when it was like just friends and family watching, it was cool for them because even when I would see them, like, so like I went into the tackle shop one day and I worked, so I worked with my dad for three and a half years. I was a plumber's helper. Okay. And uh, I met this guy in the refinery because we had all the, we do a lot of the plumbing contracts in there. And uh, I, I kind of got on a spell where I kind of got off the videos. I was getting kind of like discouraged, you know? And it was like three months. I hadn't seen this dude in probably like six months. And it was like three months since I put a video out. Dude, he come up and talked to me like like he was like my biggest fan, dude. He was like, I, why aren't you putting out any videos? And I was like, that's why right there. That's that's why I do it. Because it doesn't matter how many people you have watching you. As long as the ones that are watching really care about what you have to say. You know what I'm saying? That's a very good point. All it takes is one person to connect with that makes a difference you know as content makers we you know i always look at it in a lot of the same ways you talking about connor and uh you know it's not all you know in today's world it's all about subscribers and how many you know and and, and really in the grand scheme of things I, i'm in your situation i just started really focusing on the youtube side of it within the last year or so yeah. so i'm not i'm not you know we don't have a ton of subscribers either but we constantly trending upward and adding subscribers to the channel and it's not even about how many subscribers for me because like just this week alone i got several comments from people other outdoorsmen that were like hey man you know uh i can relate to you and your son hunting it reminds me of when my son was hunting with me i miss those days keep it up you know don't don't 
you know, cherish it. Don't let it slip by and take it for granted. And just little things like that make all the difference in the world for what I'm doing, you know, yeah. and how I'm approaching the content that I'm putting out there. So I could totally relate to what you're saying and you're a hundred percent right in my, in my, you know, opinion on it. Um, and the, you know, a lot, and go the, ahead. I'm sorry. The other thing that you said that stood out is, was how you said I like to cut up and then some other parts is serious. That's like the biggest thing to me with making these videos is that you see a lot of them and, and I'm not hating on anybody whatsoever. Cause that's, that's not the deal, but of course, it, a lot of people like to come off like they never make a mistake, like they're ne like they're perfect. And it's like, wh why? That takes the fun out of the hunting, dude. Half the fun is you don't know what's going to happen. That's why we hunt. That's why we fish, because you don't know. It's the same age old saying. That's why they call it hunting, not killing. That's why they call it fishing, not catching. That's but exactly like, right. I like just having that personal level of being like, you know, Things don't always go. I don't know it all, obviously, and I don't think I know it all. I'm not going to tell you guys that I think I know it all. Yeah. Yeah. And you're so right. And I'm going to touch more a little bit on that. I got some, I want to pick your brain on a little bit more about that as we get more into this hour of talking about all this. But man, going back to your company, right? Or it's a LLC. It's a, obviously, it's something that you're looking to do, uh, pursue to make into a career, possibly. I'm not exactly sure. But Rising Sun Films, tell us tell us about it, man. How did that come about? How'd you get the name, and how'd you get into it? So, <laughs> it actually it actually started out as Cupped and Culling is what it was called, and I just it didn't like. See, I even had trouble saying it right now, so I would I didn't really care for that name. So it's Rising a tongue Sun twister. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. I like it, but it's a tongue twister. <laughs> I know it doesn't roll off. It doesn't roll off the tongue, bro. So I was like, all right, I gotta switch it up. It's a good time. It's in the beginning. But uh, actually, Rising Sun Films, um, how did it How did it go? So I was listening to the House of the Rising Sun. I heard it on the radio. Great song. I was song. like, man, that's an awesome song. And then like <laughs> two days later, I had like a, <laughs> I had like a really bad sunburn on my body. And I was going <laughs> to sleep. And I was like, it hit me when I woke up in the morning. I was putting the aloe vera on. I'm like, this rises up. That's it. <laughs> but it's supposed to be. It, it's supposed to be symbolizing that there's you. You always got to be looking forward because there's more opportunities as long as you make it to the next day. There's another. There's another rising sun coming. There's another opportunity to do better and be better. So that was kind of my thinking with the name, and I, I just stuck with it and. Plus, I, my emblem come out pretty cool, so I like that one. That's <laughs> awesome, man. That's a good, that's a better story than I was even expecting. I have to admit, <laughs> appreciate it. But that yeah, awesome. so I, I come up with the name, and then uh, well, actually, I was doing a little bit of videos and stuff under Captain Con, and then um, the boat shop. Actually, I work at a boat shop right now. I'm a content creator for uh, Power Implements Marine over in Highway. Okay. And, yeah, and um, well, I'm in the boating industry as well. I actually, I'm a salesman. I, I've been in the marine industry for quite some time. Where are you at? Yeah, I'm at uh, Boat City, USA in uh, Hammond, Louisiana. Nice, man. Nice. Yep. I got some partners that live down in Hammond. Heck yeah, dude. That's cool, man. Yeah, I yeah. actually, I worked for Cabela's for uh, almost 13 years, man. Quite a while I was in uh, that industry with, Ca with Cabela's and Gonzalez and all that stuff. So that's funny. We share kind of the same uh, passion for our careers, apparently. Yeah, that's really cool, man. That's really cool. I didn't know that. But yeah, so I like um 
so the bow shop approached me because they saw I've been doing uh, some some videos and stuff, and they were like, "Hey, do you you want to shoot a commercial for us?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll shoot one." And I had a I had a um a GoPro uh, a five a Hero Five Black, and I mm -hmm. shot them a commercial on my GoPro Hero Five, and they loved it. And so we did another one, and then I got a big camera, and then I started doing stuff with the big camera, and uh, it's now it's evolved into. Um, Monday night, I actually just went and took some pictures of um, some attack dogs. So the lady has um, protection dog service, and uh, I went and took some pictures of her. And uh, I've done a couple like um, wedding receptions and stuff. Like, oh wow! But I, I I mainly try to stay like in the outdoors um, action kind of kind of genre. But um, yeah, it's just kind of evolved into a. You know, Rising Sun Films is a YouTube channel. I do all my YouTube stuff, but I also do my photography through it, and I do my my production videos for you know actual customers. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a there's a lot of room to be able to grow in that segment. It sounds like from what you're doing, uh, because that's a big thing nowadays, man. There is lots of people, whether it's uh you know the opportunity to go in outdoors and film for people, or like you did. You know, with your dealership, looking for somebody with an eye for that type of talent to be able to go out and do it, man. So as a young man, you have an opportunity to, you know, go in whichever direction you really choose to do with it if you continue to pursue it. Yes, sir. That's the goal. Is to, And I, I was glad that the boat shop wanted to bring me on full time because it really allowed me to get my foot in the door with some type of outdoor industry with all my time. Like yeah. it, it really did a a good number for me. And especially cause I'm getting to put a lot of time um, towards my craft versus, you know, going and doing job X and then having to come home and work on my work on my craft after, which everybody knows that's when the best stuff is built, but it does help that I get to do it during the day also now. Correct. Yeah. I could, I could totally see that. That's awesome, man. Well, that's a, that's a great story. I think you're heading in the right direction, man. So I hope you continue to do it because obviously you got a talent for it. Uh, you know, from what I've seen, you, you mentioned that GoPro five a while ago, one of the first videos where I found you on social media, on YouTube, it was, uh, I have some notes here. It's the GoPro ruined my opening day video. <laughs> that's how i found you and it got me tuned into it because a lot of us outdoors we're using gopros obviously we're filming with action cameras we're doing all that kind of stuff and i was like I, at the time i think when i came across it i was looking at buying a new gopro and i was like okay well maybe he got an honest review on what model he's using let me see what he has to say and this guy's in louisiana he's a waterfowl hunter so i want to listen to him you know so Talk about that video a little bit, if you could recall a little bit about that. So I know we're going to touch, well, I'm sure we're going to end up touching on the storm and stuff, but just so I don't get into that. We were living in a camper, okay, in okay. the driveway for nine months. And um, just, you know, and, and so like everything is a little, everything is a little bit more special after a hurricane. And if you've been through them, you know. So like those opening days mean so much more because that's just a, it's a six hour break, seven, eight hour break where you don't have to think about anything except hunting. Yep. And that's, I think that's why a lot of us get into the outdoors. Um, it is because it's just that little escape from everything that's going on in your life. So anyway, so I was like really pumped up, man. I was like, let's go because we just got on a lease. I've yep. been public land my whole life. So I was like, I got to 
leak, you know, because Sabine was shut down for that year because of hurricane debris. Mm-hmm. Bro, I got out there. The camera wouldn't turn on, man. I fought it and fought it. I was missing birds at daylight because I was goofing off with the camera. And I, and you know what? I ended up just shutting the camera off and enjoying the hunt with my dad and my brother because it that was worth more to me than goofing off with the camera. And I knew it wasn't going to happen anyway. But, uh, yeah, that's um, that's how it happened. So. Well, that's that's pretty cool, and and I know you did you did a follow up, and I think if I remember correctly, you had, you did that kind of one on one like I was talking about earlier. Where you, it's almost like you went back and you kind of apologized for getting angry and upset with it, you know. And uh, and really, man, I mean, it was just raw emotion, and I get it. I mean, we all get it as outdoorsmen when it's like that, because like you said, you go through all this 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 you know life experiences throughout the work week, the stresses of life, all that type of stuff. And then you finally make it to open a weekend. You pumped up, you excited, and some the equipment's not working. Whether it's a shotgun, it's a camera, whatever it may be, and uh, man, it, it can be frustrating. And, and you know, you handled it really well, I thought. But it, that's that's the first video that I came across that you had did that got me intrigued, man, to, to look further into what content you had out there. So it was pretty cool. But another one I want to ask you about is the uh, the most insane. You titled it the most insane thing I've ever done, duck hunting. Yeah, and, man. And you know what I'm talking about on I that know one. Exactly. It's the most insane thing I've ever done, bro. Dude, I have to tell you, that's I've in my years of waterfowl hunting, since I'm small with my father growing up wood duck hunting in Evangelical Parish in that area, uh, I've never seen anything in a hunt like I saw in that particular video. So take us through that video now, since we're talking about it, because Guys, if you have not seen Connor's channel, you want to go check out his channel at Rising Sun Films on YouTube and go check out the video titled The Most Insane Thing I've Ever Done Duck Hunting, that title video. I promise you it's awesome. It's, it's You're going to enjoy it. And, Connor, if you don't mind, kind of walk us through that, what happened that day. So I got to start out. It's not clickbait, and I try not to clickbait any of my videos because I know how aggravating that is and for – some of you people not watch that don't know what clickbait is. It's when the title says something, and it's just completely. It has nothing to do with the, what the video is about. Okay. This is truthfully the most one of the most insane things I've ever done in the blind. So it was me, my buddy Jeff, and Josh. We're at we're going to Josh's place, and um, it's down there in Johnson Bayou, and um. We, we load up, we get the, we get all the way out there pulling the boat. I mean, not excuse me, not pulling the boat. We were going, we got to the boats, and we didn't have a, um, this is off-camera stuff. Y'all didn't see any of this, but we didn't have the key to the boat. We forgot the key. That's and what we, I want, those behind-the-scenes stories. Yeah, so we got there, and we forgot the key. We're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do, man? So we're just kind of like, Jeff's like thinking about how to like rig the motor. Because we're all boat shop guys, and, and Jeff's, Jeff's an A1 mechanic, so he's like, I, I can rig it, but I don't know how far gone it's going to be when I'm done. Da, da, da. And so <laughs> luckily another guy that was hunting pulled up and Josh was like, um, Hey man, you mind bringing us to the blind or whatever, you know, drop us off, pick us up. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. So I had my dog with me. They had another dog. So we had um, one, two, three, four, seven people in one boat with two dogs and all our gear. And they went and they dropped us off at the blind. We're hunting, dude. And it's slow. I think we only have a couple birds in the blind. And uh, dude, this nasty front starts rolling through. It's like a rolling black cloud. You can see it. Oh, and Josh yeah. is like, dude, it's about to turn on. And I'm like, okay. Well, I'm 
taking pictures of the dog and, and doing that kind of deal. And um, I was standing, I think I was standing on top of the blind, maybe. I, I don't know. I have to go back and watch the video. I was standing on top of the blind, and they were like, what's that? And I was like, uh, that's T. We're calling them, we were calling them Wesley Snipes. We, we were seeing a bunch of Snipes flying around. We are calling them Wesleys. And so we were like, uh, is that a bunch of Wesleys? And I was like, no, that's Teal. And so we got down and Josh hit the Josh hit the call. And bro, when they come in, it was just they looked like Wesleys. It was a bunch of them. Like, you know, you see them all like that's oh, know, I know, man. I mean, look looking at the video, it looked like it's anywhere from 50 to 75, maybe a hundred teal that dropped in on y'all. Was it that many that actually came in, you think, or what? Yeah, yes. I tried to count them on the on the computer and like once i get them like around 80 they're like over on top of each other and stuff and i can't count them anymore but it's wow. it's 80 plus 80 plus. that's insane man that's absolutely insane yeah dude and they come in and like when we shot i'm thinking we only kill like three or four because we're shooting <laughs> and i only see a couple drop well then we quit shooting and they won't quit falling they're just like i'm like oh my god literally they would not quit so guys if you're watching the video he says that in the video he kind of says they, they pull up on these birds and it looked like like y'all had i mean there were so many birds coming into the hole that it looked like a big group kind of dropped down then they had to have another group on top of them kind of come in yes. and uh from what i saw in the video and they pull up and start shooting, and you hear Connor say, man, how many we got, three or four? And uh, somebody, I think, whispered, was like, no, nah, we got more than that. <laughs> watching it on the GoPro on the footage, you just see them just falling. And uh, you see the initial ones fall, and then you just see more falling out the sky and hitting the water. And what did y'all What did y'all do when you noticed that and that happened to you? I looked over at zero, and I was like, get ready, son. <laughs> it's about to happen, dog. <laughs> Oh man, that's gotta be amazing, dude. I mean, and how many did y'all get out of the group? What did, what did y'all end up getting out of that group of teal? Twelve. Twelve. Twelve teal out of that group, man. We averaged four birds a person. Four birds. So you almost had your limits. Y'all had three of y'all is what it was, or yeah, but like I told you, we only had a couple birds before that. So we we still ended up. My camera died, dude. Like two minutes after we did that, the camera died. I was wow. like, oh my gosh. I was like, I hope that was on video. If it wasn't, I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm selling all my stuff and I'm quitting. Well, you and got I, it. You dude, got it. That was gold. Up, I think we ended up shooting two. Uh, we shot a couple more after that, and we we were able to scratch our limit out. But like I told you, we weren't killing anything until that big group come in, and all of a sudden we're sitting on 14, 15 birds. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, what That's is insane. going on? Yeah, hey, thank God for teal, huh? For the those teal will save your ass so many times whenever you get them big groups. You know, my, my youngest son or my oldest son, Jackson, he hunts with me a lot. He's in our videos. And uh, and those slow days, he's sitting there and he's like, Man, he'll say, I've taught him over the years because it's happened. Not a group like y'all had, but you'll get that group of you know, 10 teal come in, 12 teal, whatever it is. And he'll I'll hear him say over there, kind of on his basis, man. If we could just get one group of teal, dad. And those teal will save your butt so many times. But I've never seen anything quite insane like that group that came in on y'all. That was absolutely that was gold for uh catching it on film and, and getting it on camera, man. I know, bro. It's one of them groups where you're like, you see them flying out there and you're like, Man, I wish they'd come over here. <laughs> yeah. It came yeah, over there, bro. That's the ones that came over there. That's exactly right. Now, where was that? Was that this year or last year? When when how long ago was that? Did that happen? That was this year. That was before that was first split. First split. Wow. That was like two weeks before first split was over. 
and I see a comment here, X under outdoors. He put, they bring friends and boy, did they bring some friends on that, that, that video. That was insane, man. Yeah. So, man, uh, that was pretty cool. But, uh, but yeah, man, you know, we talk about the Western part of the state and I want to kind of delve into, you know, something, you know, that happened last year, obviously Lake Charles, the Western portion of Louisiana was hit hard by hurricane Laura last yeah. year, multiple, multiple storms actually, but hard hurricane Laura is the one that everybody tends to talk about. Um, and you know, in 2020, that's, that was a big thing, you know, as far as, you know, people recovering on the Western part of the state, um, I have family that's in the Lake Charles area. I grew up in Evangeline Parish, not too far from there. Uh, so I have friends that live there. Um, but how is it bouncing back, man? I mean, uh, what do you see? Kind of what – well, let's start out. What did you experience from an outdoorsman standpoint, from a personal standpoint in 2020? Kind of kind of let our listeners in on the experiences and the events that happened that, uh, that stem from Hurricane Laura. So from an outdoors perspective, um, I, we actually kind of looked up, and it feels weird saying it, but me and my brother and my dad went in on a lease down in Holly Beach, which is all the way south on the coast. And um, we did, that was before the hurricane hit. Well, my primary marsh that I hunt is Sabine, okay. so, which is just north of, of Holly Beach. Well the hurricane hits and then they shut down Sabine for the whole year. So we ended up on a lease before the hurricane hit. So we, luckily we had a place to hunt. Now, when I tell you we killed 12 birds out that blind all year, it was rough, but we yeah. had a place to go. Yeah. So you had a place to go. I was thankful for that. Um, I, it was, it was where our blind was at and how the property was managed. It wasn't because of lack of birds. Okay. Uh, I've talked to a lot of older gentlemen and they say some of the best hunting they had was after Rita. Okay. Like yeah. the best hunting they've ever had was after Rita. So uh, I you know I I saw a lot of of course a lot of damage cuz where I where we where you have to drive to get to the at least dude it was like they had like a washout on the road. They had there was like three camps standing on the whole coastline out out there because it was just decimated dude like I like I wouldn't I didn't even know if I was gonna be able to get to the blind during hunting season because they had the road like shut off and they were only letting residents go back there. Okay. But um I you know, I, I really can't say we had some good I did go on public land a few times because I got invited and we did really well. So I I I just from my experience, I didn't see a big difference in the birds. Um now the environment and the lay of the land, absolutely, you know, yeah, big change. But um, I saw um, so I did. I actually, funny enough, I did a podcast for Lake Charles Tackle, which is a local tackle shop mm -hmm. where I live, and I I filmed it and got it ready for them and all that kind of stuff. And they had a guy on there that um, actually had some experience in the marshes on the east side. Big fish kills, dude, like a lot of fish kills. And so I can just imagine what it does to the birds that come in and and that kind of thing. So you know, I'm not. Like I told you earlier, I don't claim to know everything, but I'd imagine it, it wasn't good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But, um, you know, my experience over the years kind of with the hurricanes, like we're experiencing it this year. We had a hurricane this summer here in the uh, south, southern portion, yeah. uh, southeastern portion of the state. And, uh, man, honestly, it, it – 
I know along the coast it devastated a lot of you know homes, camps, all that type of stuff. But um, honestly, it has created some opportunities for us on public land this year hunting uh, that have not been accessible for years because really? of invasive species, whether it's salvania, hyacinth, uh, you know that type of stuff. It, it's it, these storms come in; it literally lifted up portions that were inaccessible. And just dispersed it and reopened these marshes, you know. Right. And from my experience, me and Jackson, my son, we've had one of our better first splits that we that you know in the first split that we've had in the last couple of seasons. And it's a lot of because there's some new territory, there's some new land that we have the opportunity to hunt, and uh, and these birds are having more space to get into now, you know. So I think oftentimes these massive storms come through. It, it, yes, it definitely takes a toll. It, it can hurt it. But I think in some cases, by the time duck season comes around, depending on when the storms hit, it could definitely uh, help the hunting as well, like you mentioned also, you know? Right. Yeah, it's a lot of bittersweet with it, you know? It is. It is. Now, from a personal standpoint, any camps lost that y'all had? Any? I mean, did, did you lose your home? What was the situation there? Yeah, so the, the house that I'm sitting in right now, it took us nine months to get it back livable. Um, you know, kind of kind of the same runaround, you know, in, fighting with insurance, that kind of deal. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, quick story about my house. Um, I've I'm, I'm, uh, been married two years now, just recently married, and um, we bought a house, uh, I think, maybe six months before we got married. Okay. Um, so we had our house almost a year to the date of the hurricane. Okay. When we bought the house, it had hurricane damage on the roof. So wow. we filed for insurance, all that kind of stuff. Dude, they drugged their feet and drugged their feet. We finally got the, the check-in to get a new roof two days before the hurricane hit. So oh we didn't have time to fix the hurricane. <clears throat> the roof, excuse me. So we evacuated, come back, and um, of course, I, I, may, I mean, I maybe had 12 shingles left on my roof. Wow. And um, it ripped the whirly bird off. Oh. And it's actually one of the videos. I go find the whirly bird. It's in my neighbor's yard. My neighbor's like, hey, you want your whirly bird back? I'm like, oh, my Holy God. hell. So, yeah. So, it ripped a big hole in the roof. And it just, I mean, it ruined the whole entire house. By the time insurance come through to get the demo and everything, it was, you know, mold and ruined and everything was yeah. gone. So, uh yeah, we lived in a camper for for nine months, man, making videos. And, and uh, I started my new job when I was living in a camper. And um, my wife, my wife's a, a NICU nurse, so she was busy at the hospital. And she actually had to stay during the or not stay during the hurricane. She came the day after the hurricane. No electricity, no water. You know, it bad situation. And um, so yeah, it it was a it was pretty it's pretty stressful. And that's kind of around the time period that you saw the GoPro ruin my hunt. It's because all those things were building up, and then for something like that to go wrong on opening day, just kind of like blew it out of proportion, you know. Yeah, well, but, yeah. you could understand that for sure. For sure, but man, I'm, I mean, dude, it, as long as that's what me and wife and my wife talk about that a lot. As long as everybody's healthy and okay, we can pick up and move. We can, we can move around. We can do what we need to do. As long as we, as long as everybody has their health, then uh, we're gonna make it. You know, amen, brother. Yeah. You know, for a 23 year old young man, you got your head screwed on right, in my opinion, and, you, and you're 100% right. God works in mysterious ways, and you know, you hear that all the time. And uh, man, God bless y'all. I'm glad you're back on your feet doing what you got to do. 
Uh, y'all, y'all, y'all going to come out of it stronger because, you know, I went through it in 2016 here in Gonzales. We flooded when they had the big flood uh, that went on. Me and my wife, you know, we lost, you know, portions of our home to that. Uh, and honestly, looking back at it, Connor, it's at the time, it sucks. It sucks. And it's something that you go through and you think, man, this is going to be a while. It's going to take forever. Uh, and it does. It's slow because insurance is, you know, all the factors that play into it are, are just slow and they drag their feet. And and it feels like everybody forgets about you. And they don't care about whether or not you're sleeping in your bed at night as long as they're sleeping in their bed. That's what it feels like. Yeah. But I will say this. When we went through it, uh, I saw some of the very best in people that came out. And uh, yes. and it was awesome. You really, you really learn who your true friends are. I'll say that I learned that experience. Uh, I learned the friends that I could call on and say, "Hey, I need you here. I, we got to gut some, you know, some walls out, or we got to pull carpet out, or flooring, whatever it may be." And uh, and, and we really value those friends after that event happened. And I think all of us as Louisianians that went through this because it's part of our lifestyle, whether it's a hurricane. Floods, obviously, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, we we go back. Storms. Uh, that's right, our ice <laughs> storms. That's uh, you know, that's that's crazy. You say that, but yeah, ice storms, whatever it may be, man. We it makes us stronger. And, and Louisianans are resilient, man. No matter what portion of the state we're from, north, south, you know, west, it doesn't matter. East, I mean, uh, we are some of the strongest people in the nation, in my opinion, uh, because of what we go through, you know. And now, unfortunately, we got people in Kentucky that just went through this, this uh, tornado and they going through the same thing. And, and, you know, without good people stepping up to help them, it, it could be a long road, man. So I, uh, I'm just glad y'all, y'all are good and coming through it. I can tell you, it's going to make you a lot stronger and, and you in that stretch now where hopefully it's uh you're getting back to some normalcy, you know, with your life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. So, that's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, going back, kind of getting back on track with the outdoor stuff and the hunting and all that type of stuff, we talked about Western Louisiana. You know, you may not really notice it, I guess, or, or maybe you do. I don't know. But from a waterfowl hunting standpoint, man, uh, us in South Louisiana and Southeast Louisiana, we don't tend to hear a lot about Western Louisiana when it comes to Lake Charles, you know, all those areas, you know. Uh, as far as some of the traditional waterfowl hunting, that's what I want to touch on. Uh, when you look at the, the waterfowl surveys that are done, you know, just about or when they were doing them every year, when you look at the population reports for waterfowl, some of the highest numbers of waterfowl traditionally have been in the western part of the, the state. Uh, but then when you see guys get on these forums, and, and especially now with social media and all that type of stuff, you don't see a lot of reports coming out of Lake Charles and all those areas too often. They're always talking about Venice. They're talking about uh, Catahoula Lake. They're talking about West Monroe. They're talking about, you know, down in uh, Delacroix, all those marsh areas. But you don't hear as many reports. It's a real tight-knit, tight-lipped situation. So, you know, and you know better growing up there. I mean, tell everybody listening how phenomenal the waterfowl hunting and and we talked about it kind of a while ago about how you have access to everything to be able to do a little bit of everything. But traditionally, specifically on waterfowl hunting, it has been one of the best portions of the state throughout history. Is it still that, in your opinion, growing up in that in that area? Well, that you know, that's that's all I've ever hunted as far as Louisiana goes. Um, so, so from what I know, yes. But 
then again, I talk to the old timers and they say it's not what it used to be. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, you don't you don't miss what you don't know. That's right. It, yeah, it's good for me. But, you know, but sometimes it's bad, too. Like, it's just it's it's like anywhere you hunt. You know, it it's not. I don't know. So I guess it's kind of unique because I feel like the two reserves that we have are, are fairly large. Um, yeah. And I say large. There's a lot of people in it, but you can also spread them out. Well, I was going to ask you about that, but go ahead. Go ahead and say what you want to say. I no, want to hear this. It's just, you know, so what you said about you don't hear a lot of reports from over here. That's another reason why I kind of made my channel and, and I am the way I am on there is because growing up and I still know a bunch of cats like this today. If the, the pawpaw handed it down to their dad and their dad handed down the spot to them and they go with one dedicated buddy and that's it. I don't blame them, but, you know, we were talking about this at work the other day. Teach someone how to go find their own places. They don't have to hunt your spot, but why are you going to that spot? What what makes you want to hunt there? What, what are you looking for? Share that knowledge so that we can spread out and people can find their own places. I understand er some areas are just good. I get it. But, you know, why you got to tear down the guy that's just trying to learn? You know, you were there one day. You That was you one day ago. Some of us, you know, they're like their parents, parents didn't teach them hunting. So now your, your parent may have learned coming up, not a lot of help. So now you're going, you know, share the well, share, share the knowledge that you've acquired to help better hunters. Because a lot of people fuss about, Oh, he rode up on me and set up 100 yards and shooting light and they sky busting birds. Dude, they really just may not know. Now, some people, it's probably a friendly, family-friendly show, but some people may be buttholes. But no, you can say it. Say what you got to say. It's some, actually, it's adult content. <laughs> okay. I just, I didn't know. I want to make sure. Some people may just be being assholes, but yep. some of them really might not know. And so what, what does it hurt you to take five seconds out of your day to say, Hey man, you see the, the no wake sign right there? If there's boats parked right there, don't haul through here. Or, you know, that's the law. Hey, look, in the pamphlet right here, it says you gotta be more than hundred yards away. I'm not chastising you about it, but just you know, be conscious. But it so that's why you don't I feel like that's why you don't see a lot of reports from over here, is because you're right. They, there's a lot of tight lit people. Dude, it is what it is. It's hunting. It, it's been like this, it's gonna stay like this, like. Why not help better everybody? Why 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 tear people down? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Man, it's absolutely refreshing to hear somebody of your generation say it like that. Uh, because hey, it's true. And and look, you kind of delved into something I was going to ask you about here in a second. I'll I'll ask you anyway. But uh, you know, I I talked about it recently on the podcast on a couple of YouTube videos. Is that I feel like even my generation, like the older guys. Uh, and, and I'm not really old when it comes to older generation hunters, but, uh, you know, I'm a middle-aged guy, you know, for sure. I grew up in the 80s, 90s, you know, coming up in that time frame. And, uh, and I told uh, people that listen to the show and on the video, I said, I feel like my generation kind of got frustrated like you were talking about with these young hunters. Oh, they're coming in late. They sky busting. They, uh, you know, they showed up with their buddies and they, you can hear them. It's five minutes till shooting time and they, they hollering and talking and laughing and 
all this type of stuff. And, and you hit the nail on the head, Connor, when you said it may not just be abuse of what they're trying to do. It may just be that they don't have the knowledge or, or were never taught by somebody. And I feel partially to blame for that, my generation. And I'm just saying that because I've done it in the past. Well, I turned my head to those, that gener younger generation. I said, you know, uh, man, they just pissed me off. You know, they pissed me off and I don't want to deal with them. You know, uh, they, they ruined the sport for me. They ruined my day, my hunt. And at the, at the end of the day, if I would have just, you know, did what I'm doing now, reaching out to somebody like yourself who's of the younger generation and saying, hey, man, uh, let's get together. Let's go make a hunt. Uh, let me show you how to do this. Let me share this information with you. Then we would probably be a lot better off than we are right now when we're bitching and complaining about it. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I feel guilty about it. So I'm trying to correct that now. I'm trying to do the right thing when it comes to educating the younger generation on what I know. And I'm not saying I'm an expert. I, I'm not saying I'm right on what it is because a, a lot of times it's opinions. You know that. But I want to be able to share my experiences with everybody um, and hopefully help the next guy maybe learn a little something, pick up something that's going to make everybody's hunting experience a little bit better out in the field. You know? Right. Yeah. And you don't, you know, you don't got to give all the big stuff away, but that's right. Put, you know, nose them up, get them in line, get them, get them lined up for success. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be your enemy. You know, y'all can help each other. If a group rides up on you, why not send them to a better area and say, hey, let's bounce these birds around? Yeah. Like, why you got to cuss them and shine them with your light and, and get the get out of here? Like, dude, there's only so much area in this little area. We know there's birds here. Let's work together instead of shunning people away. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and, and we all have a better experience. You know, I was going to ask you, in one of your recent videos, I have it notated here, you had mentioned – an abnormal amount of haters is what you quoted it as. <laughs> and I'm putting you on the spot because I'm interested in your take on that. You know, you said we have a, a norm, an abnormal amount of haters uh, to go along with supporters, of course. But right. the haters are the loud ones, man. That's the ones you always hear. You kind of touched on it earlier when we first got on. Um, that's the ones you hear that are yapping. They, uh, they telling you you suck. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, when I started, I, I had a guy that got tried to get into it with me on social media. And he was like, man, he said, every fucking dickhead got to start a YouTube channel, got to have a Facebook page or Instagram page that thinks he's a fucking expert, you know? And I, I just responded back to him. I said, hey, man, look, I, I'm not an expert. Don't claim to be an expert. But I would love to bounce some ideas by you and kind of our hunting experiences. Maybe we could, maybe we might find out we have more in common than you think and we could get together and become friends and hunt. And you know that that guy that made that comment is a, one of the guys that I hunt with nowadays. And that's how we got to know each other through social media, you know? So don't judge a book by its cover when it comes to that guys, if you're listening, uh, because you jump on somebody's Facebook page or, uh, you know, YouTube channel or whatever it may be. First of all, the first thing I'd have to say to that Connor is something attracted them to you to, to that page, you know. Yeah. So if they're listening to the content, whether they want to be a smart ass or disagree with you on it, you know what? They're watching it. That's right. They're listening to it. They consuming it, and, and chances are, whether it's good or bad, they're gonna share it with their buddies, whether they're laughing at you or they're agreeing with you, and that's what's gonna happen, you know. And, and it's not. It's even like I, I'm sure everybody's seen the Island Boys. 
Everybody oh talking smack about the Island Boys, but hey, bro, everybody knows the song. Everybody, it's not. It doesn't matter what the how the how it's consumed, whether it's in good intentions or bad intentions. You're watching it. You're that's right. On it, you're liking it. So yep. that's my goal is to get my stuff out there. So thank you for confirming that my stuff is getting out there, whether you like it or not. I don't that's care. It. I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think, do you feel that the negative attitude towards content creators online, like such as ourselves, do you feel that that translates into the way they handle themselves in the field whenever everybody's in the field? Who's they, the haters? Yeah. Yep, the haters. I think it's a little different. Is that, is that those guys that we're talking about that you, you're running into and they, they – you getting into it maybe with them or they shining lights at you, that type of stuff. Do you think that kind of translates and carries over into an actual hunting situation? I, I think maybe we're talking about two different types of people. I think we're talking about one. We're talking about the, the old schools. They don't want nothing to do with pictures, photo. They think social media ruined hunting. And then I think we got the keyboard warriors that want to get on there and talk all the shit. But when you see them in person, they're like, hey, man, I like that video. Yeah. Like, that was cool what you did the other day. Or, hey, I saw your video. Are they sending you Snapchats being like, oh, dude, where'd you kill them? Would you? Yeah, but. I, they're I, fishing. They're fishing for information because they want to hate on you. And because their buddies are all talking about it probably. But at the same time, they see you killing birds. Or they see you do something that they like. And they're fishing for information a lot right. of times. And, you know? and it's not even like. That that's like I think also it, it it almost thins the herd for content creators because you got to have that tough skin and not let it bother you because it like you said the haters are gonna be louder than the, than the people that support you so you you just got to have that tough skin and and just I don't know man I, I, it's it's weird because like I said I I really didn't get a lot of it until a couple weeks ago and then all of a sudden they popping up. But, uh, it, you know, it really doesn't bother me. No, and that's awesome. That's the way you got to be. And, and just, to, just to give you some advice, in my opinion, if, if they're starting to pop up and you're starting to hear more, that means you're making waves, Connor. That's what right. it is, man. You, you are starting to gain momentum or, you know, you got guys that you're catching their attention like we talked about and people are starting to see the content and they're tuning in and it comes with the territory. We all go through it and we all feel that way. But as an older generation, I find we don't get it quite as much as the guys in your age group, the younger generation guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, you guys or your generation tends to be a little bit more brutal towards each other, and you know. And, uh, and I don't know why that is exactly, uh, but it, that seems to be the case, you know, in my opinion. That's just yeah. an opinion. I, I think it's a lot of – um, they have what, what I want. And I'm not saying I'm the guy, but I'm saying that's what I think. Yeah. You know, when you see these people killing limits or, or catching catching five-plus fish, five-pounders are weighing in a five-fish five, five sack, you know, breaking 20, you want that, but you're you're a little jealous. You know, I'm not saying I'm the guy who's doing it. I'm just yeah. saying. No, I get it. I get you, it. You, you kind of – but back, in, you know, back in the day – they didn't have that. Like maybe you got posted in the paper and I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying it's a little different nowadays, but it's, it's more of like a, look what I got, you know, you can't have it. And I think it gets to a lot of people. So I think they just kind of, that's like their escape go is just the kind of, well, I'm just going to shit on them. 
Yeah, they want that instant gratification, and if they can't get it, they uh they look at other people to kind of to go after, you know. And unfortunately, that's the downside of what we do as so as media creators, and, and you know, just outdoorsmen in general. But uh, I think you know, I think that as we hopefully, I'm hoping as we're getting older, and some of us like you know your generation that are doing what you're doing, my generation that are media content creators, uh, that we're starting to educate more helping people more, sharing information like we talked about. Uh, you don't have to give them your, your honey hole spot, you know, you know, like you mentioned. But at the same time, you know, tell them, you know, give them some insight to where what you're doing that's working or, you know, weather patterns that you kill them more birds. I'll tell you know, what's funny is I tell people when I was fishing bass tournaments and stuff like that a lot, uh, I tell people, you know, you always hear guys say, well, Man, that guy tells you he caught him on that bait or he caught him in this spot. He's lying, 100% lying, you know. What's funny is you can tell most people the truth of what exactly you did. They're not going to believe you anyway. They're going to think you're lying anyway, and they're never going to do it, you know. <laughs> the old classic passing by, you catching? That's uh, right. Me neither. That's it. That's exactly right. It's the same thing whether you fish and hunt, whatever it may be. So yeah. that's just the way human nature is. But I think I think guys like us that are uh you know and other content makers that are out there right now, if if everybody just kind of gets along and, and kind of you know, we all in it for the same for the same thing. We all loving it uh, you know, for the same reasons. I think we're gonna be in a much better place for sure, man. So Let's see. I got a couple of uh, – I got somebody wanting to tell you hello, man. Let's see right here. What's up, Connor, from Robbie Yo. Young, man? <laughs> Thanks, Robbie, for tuning in, man. We appreciate you hopping on with us. So hello. who's Robbie? That's one, of your, that's one of your buddies? That's one of my people, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, cool deal. Thanks for getting on with us, Robbie. We appreciate you tuning in. Man, if y'all tuning in right now, hit that smash, that, that like button, that subscribe button. We appreciate it. Uh, we got another comment coming in from who we got here, Justin Frank. What's up, Jacob? New subscriber, like the viz. Thank you, Justin. We appreciate you, man, hopping on with us tonight. So we hope y'all enjoying this uh this episode with Mr. Connor Fontenot of Rising Sun Films, man, phenomenal content maker here in Louisiana, uh, doing his thing, man, and I gotta applaud him for that. So big, uh, big fan of it, and you guys need to go check him out at Rising Sun Films. Uh, Kind of, you're on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, pretty much all the all the major platforms, correct? Yep, yep, yeah. The um, my Facebook and my YouTube are under Rising Sun Films, and then my Instagram is Connor Dot Fontenot. Awesome, but yeah, man. We, we own all of it, man. Well, good. Go check him out, guys. So we're getting close to an hour now, Connor. I don't want to keep you too long, but man, I, just to kind of touch on closing waterfowl specific, uh, looks like you guys kind of finished up the last hunt of the season on a strong point. Fill us in on, on how that went down, man, and what you saw as we get ready to head into the second split. So that was a public land hunt, and it was – that spot is absolutely brutal. Um, it, it's so bad that I can't even run my camera on my head because I would literally, like, knock it off in the cane and in the mud and in the – like, it, it, it's insane. But, like, so it's a it's a job to get back there. And um, I actually have my cousin – Garrett and my brother Ethan. Ethan's hunted with me a couple of years now, so he, okay. he pretty much knows how it goes. But Garrett, he's a first timer, so okay. um, this is his first year. Actually, I have his first duck he ever shot on our opening day video, so that's pretty cool too. That is cool. Yeah, man. But catch uh, it on film. Yeah, he was over there. He was Chris Kyle, bro. 
I saw you. I saw that video. I actually watched that video, and he said, "Man, he Chris Kyle. That thing we got him over there. That was a hell of a shot, I have to say. It was. But Garrett's a different character, bro. But uh, so so we so I told him I was like, guys, it's gonna be a hard hunt, but I, I know there's birds in here, and they were like, okay, let's do it. This is my my buddy my my buddy Hayden. We got together, and he had brought me there last year, and Hayden Hayden hadn't really been on it, so. We went and got on it and um dude teal everywhere. Teal. Everywhere. Yep. That that's like you said, you hit the nail on the head earlier, bro. They're the limit filler, dude. They are. They are and, and we've been blessed this year. First split, uh are you guys seeing the teal, the numbers of teal? Obviously, you uh the video we talked about earlier, dropping twelve out of a flock. Uh and then that hunt that you're talking about wrapping up the end of the season. I know for us the first split teal, teal were definitely down. Green wings, blue wings, uh, did did well with teal. So you guys were seeing pretty much the same thing on the western part of the state. It looks like. Yeah, but the one strange thing that I've noticed is um they're flying for a long time. Okay. You know normally you know you you shoot a lot of teal in the morning, and I hear the old timers say this too. We're gonna pass on teal. We shooting the mallards. We shooting the pintails because yeah. they did. They killed them back in the day. Yeah. And. I'm like, what? We ain't passing on nothing, bro. If it's coming in, it's dying. It's public land, brother. We it flies, it dies pretty much. Unless it's a hood and more games. <laughs> hey, bro. I shoot them too. I don't care, bro. Tell, do you eat hood and more Tell me you y'all not cooking no, hood and no. more No, you didn't, dude. In the one we shot 12, Jeff turned around and decimated a hood. Um, it wasn't even a hood, it was a common. He, oh my he said, what's that on the water? And I turned around, boom. I was like, oh, my gosh. Jeff. Oh, I hit it goodness. to him. He's like, what the fuck is that? I was like, that's a Merganzer. Y'all should have let him cook that up and uh, try to eat it and see what he thought. <laughs> no, it's like ass and, ass and rubber. <laughs> y'all can have that, bro. I don't want that. I was about to say, if y'all eating hood and in the western part of the state, I, I'm losing respect for you as no, we speak. Y'all right keep now. that over there, dude. Right, that's yeah. the one bird, Connor, I have never been able to have anybody cook that had any kind of taste where I said, you know what? That tastes pretty good. Man, I can't, man. I, I, they're few and far between, but I've met them. I've met them. Man. Normally they in a gas station parking lot, but I've met them before. Whoo, that's some bad. When you throw a hooded morganza on the ground and the dog won't touch it, sniffs it, and walks away, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> I promise you. So, yeah. but teal. So teal was the teal was kind of the filler, the limit filler. Y'all ended the the hunt. So that last hunt of the season was it mostly teal that y'all ended up with? You know, actually, I have one more hunt that I'm I'm working on. Um, okay. That wasn't the last hunt. That was Saturday. Okay. Okay. Um, gotcha. the, the, so the day after, so that's funny, but we, sh we yes, we should have killed our limit Saturday. Ethan and Garrett ran out of shells because they wasn't expecting to shoot that much. Garrett's a first timer. Ethan's been doing it a few years, so he has a little bit better shot than Garrett. And, um, you know, when I shoot my six, I'm done. So yeah, I'm just yeah. watching. And uh, it, it's funny to watch these guys, man. It, it's, it's funny. It's like watching a baby giraffe learn how to walk. Right? It's like they are figuring it out. It's bro. true. It, it's true. It's true. And, and you get a different perspective when you sit back and you're not hunting and you're watching yeah. the guys. You know. Yeah, you're like, this is what's going on when I'm looking at my gun. 
Like, yep. what are y'all doing? Like, you learn a lot about your here. your buddies that you hunt with. Yeah, they they funny, bro. But uh, yeah, we should have had our eighteen. And so then the next day, me and Ethan went back. And I think we shot like eight or nine. But dude, the fog, man, the fog was oh, so man. thick, dude. It's been it, like that here too, man. And it's like thick. Like I I I don't think I've ever seen it that thick before. Those those first two mornings. But uh, yeah. when the fog lifted, we started killing a couple birds. And uh, you know, you'll if if y'all watch the video, you'll see it. But um. And you haven't put that one out yet, you said? That's coming out? Yeah, I'm working on it right now. I got it uh, pulled up. But, uh, well, good. We look forward to that then. Yeah, man. But, yeah, like like I said, it was just – and it was mostly teal again, a lot of teal. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm interested with this weather rolling through and stuff. I'm wondering what it's going to look like for uh, Saturday. Man, it's you know, it's looking – I looked over here at our forecast, and it's showing a possible thunderstorm Saturday. Uh, fog, dense fog tomorrow morning is what it's showing over here. So – those it seems like we get those warm years like that, and you can't get rid of the fog. So, and some guys love the fog. They, I hear buddies of mine tell me they're like, "Man, I'll take the fog anytime. It keeps them low. I'll work the birds in, and they just come in they're in your face, and we kill them." And me, that's bullshit for me because I don't have a lot of luck in the fog. Now, in the you know, we had a couple of videos from first split that me and Jackson were in the marsh, and we had those fog days, you know. And, uh, and we, right at daybreak or right at legal shooting times, I had a couple of birds come right in on us, you know. But that's that early morning flight right at daybreak, typical type stuff. But once that fog's sitting over the decoys, we don't have a lot of success a lot of times. But once it lifted, birds started showing up, sun started breaking through. We had, you know, a couple of mallards, model ducks, gadwall working, pintail. Uh, and that's how we ended up our last hunt of the first split, which was that Sunday, you know. Uh, but we had to wait for that fog to get out of there before we actually had some birds working in. Yep. And I have a theory about the fog. And like I said, I'm not a biologist. I don't know. But I think that when you kill them in the fog, I think we lost you for a second, the audio. You there? Can you hear me? Okay, go ahead and repeat that if you don't mind. I think you had froze up for a second. So I think I'm not a biologist, but and this is just my brain being being weird, I guess. <laughs> I think when you kill them in the fog, and I'm talking public land, I'm not talking to, I'm not talking to lease. Okay. I, I think almost that maybe if it wasn't foggy that day, you weren't really gonna burn them. I think the birds know where they're going if they're if they're not on you know if they're consistently been birds in that hole and you go to hunt it yeah like they're not i'm losing my train of thought they weren't going to be there if it wasn't foggy but okay if it was foggy but if it isn't foggy then you would kill them okay. in a different hole i get I'm you i got you, you, you know, what I, I see what you said yeah it flopped around but yeah i see what you're saying yeah. Yeah, and, and, man, that could be that could be the case, you know. Uh, you know, I know that I know it keeps them flying a lot lower. You notice on those foggy days, even when it it kind of clears out, they typically not not those migrating birds way up high that are moving. You know, they they seem right. to kind of want to be looking for spots to kind of rest, land, and, and kind of work into. You know, because I think, I th you know, either a they found a hole, the ones that were migrating, and they've already been resting, and they are settled in wherever they are. Or you got birds that are migrating, traveling, flying through all this fog, this this wet. You know, you hear their wings. You could tell 
whenever their wings are wet, how they flap it, and you hear that that distinct sound. And, and I think when they get out of that and it clears up, they kind of those birds that were moving throughout that fog, they're looking for areas to kind of to rest them and relax and just load for a while. You know, that's just my thought. You know. That's yeah, my fog, thought on it. Fog's tricky, bro. That's it's tricky. tricky. It is see. tricky, man. And I, I don't typically like it. Uh, it's dangerous to navigate, you know, but uh, that type of stuff. <laughs> but that's what we got to deal with. That's what we, we're working with, you know. So, well, man, I, you know, and there's more I wanted to touch on. We're going to probably have to do this again and get together. But uh, I know you guys went to Kansas this year. Is that correct? Yes, sir. We sure did. Just, just quickly. How was Kansas, man, compared to – you said you hunted, you know, western Louisiana your whole life. What's Kansas like? Because I have a good friend of mine who's in a camp with me over in the Chaffalaya Basin. He he went to Kansas twice this year so far, and they didn't have success. So how was the Kansas trip? Kind of keeping it quick, I guess. And uh, and compared to Louisiana, what do you – what do you what's the comparison? I can tell you if you've only hunted Louisiana your whole life and you've never been to Kansas – you have never experienced anything like it. It is the most for, – for somebody from southwest Louisiana, it is the most mind-boggling thing you've ever done because you literally drive in a truck. Okay, because when we think about scouting, we're going to go in a boat. We're going to go ride the floor around in the fields. We're going to go – you drive around in the truck, and you just look – you literally follow the birds in the air. Like you look for really? the birds in the air. And then everything is is a grid out over there. There's no curvy roads, nothing. It's a grid. So a grid. you can follow those birds. And when you find where they're landing, you pull up. I'm going to throw you all a bone. A lot of people know about OnX, but you can pull it up on OnX, get the, the address, and then go knock on these people's door and be like, hey, man, I, I see a body on your, on your field. I'm trying to go hunt it. You know, whatever your approach is to hunt that field. And nine out of ten times, they're going to tell you yes, and the only time they're going to tell you no is if someone else is already locked down the field. Yep. That's exactly yep. the same situation my buddy tell, told me. They went last year for the first time, and they do the same thing in Oklahoma, actually. They they go to Oklahoma, and uh, they're going to be heading to Oklahoma here in January. And, he uh, man, he ships more boudin, smoked sausage, tasso, all that stuff to Kansas <laughs> and to uh, Oklahoma than probably anybody uh, because he's meeting a lot of people and they're letting them hunt property up there. It's pretty – I mean, it's completely different than Louisiana in that aspect, you know. It's pretty cool. But yeah, how was the hunting? Did y'all do end up doing well? I saw in the video y'all y'all did real well with spec hunting, it looked like. Yeah, man. So the, fir the first – we drove 13 and a half hours, got there, went immediately scouting. Um, side note, the deer are insane over there. They're everywhere. <laughs> anyway, yeah, they're, it's ma they're massive. They don't and have all the coon asses chasing after them. That's why. For real, they they must not show spotlights <laughs> in Kansas. I guess I don't know. Gotcha. So, so um, so we get there, scout all day, find a find a little bit of ducks. So the next morning we go set up, and we dude through all the chaos, through everything going on, like this hunt didn't even make the video. We set up wrong on the wind, so. Okay. It was a lake. They have a bunch of small lakes around there. So we, we set up wrong on the wind. Dude, I'm not joking you. 600 yards down the levee, these guys got off in a little – it wasn't – it was part of the lake, but it was shielded from the wind by the trees. And these dudes beat down on the greenheads, dude, like like nothing. Like I, I was that guy. I was like, I hope he has a YouTube channel because I'm going to go hate on him. Like I was so <laughs> mad. I was so mad, dude. But like – 
So oh. we set up wrong on the wind. So there was ducks there. Dude, yeah. After that day, like if you go watch my Kansas video, you'll see that we found, dude, that was the most ducks I've ever seen in my entire life in one area. It was absolutely insane. Insane. But it was yeah. on the refuge. You couldn't hunt it over there. It was, ah. it was one little section you couldn't hunt, and they were on it. Like it, They were on it. They knew. And there was nowhere near there to hunt. Yep, yep. And Kansas, so, man, for, they do an excellent job of managing their resources in Kansas. They do. It's everything. Is, I, dude, almost 90% of the state is, is dirt roads, like gravel roads, and they're smoother than our pavement. It's insane. It's insane. But so we ended up getting on the big goose feeds, and that's what we ended up hunting when we were there. We're like, well, we're not going to chase ducks that aren't here yet, so yeah, we're just going to kill geese. Wow, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, hell, you turned a, you turned a trip where you, you might have struggled to kill ducks into something positive, man. You learned something, you know. So I'm sure y'all going to be trying to go back maybe next year or uh, what Absolutely. second split? You, you, try, you plan on going up second split or what? Man, I wish, dude. I wish. I, 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 right now, I can usually take about one big trip a year. Yeah. Um, and, and that's about it. And that's fair enough, you know. So yeah, I, uh, yeah. that's And we, we couldn't wait. So we did it. That was uh, the weekend before our opening weekend, so we went and hunted theirs, and then we yep. come back, and then it was opening weekend for us. So oh it was man, that's cool. awesome! Yeah, don't y'all might have been there the same time my brother was there. They were they had four people. They went up there, and uh, they got a state park. I'm not exactly sure what area of Kansas it is, but it's some kind of uh, state park, I think it was. And they rented a cabin and they stayed up there. And uh, they well, actually that that was the second time they went. They went for Thanksgiving and they rented a cabin. And he said it was right outside of the where whatever reserve they were public land that they were hunting. But uh, they didn't do as they didn't do real well this year. But the previous year, last year, they hammered them, Connor. They did really, really well. Most mallards they've ever shot in their life. You know, it was it was pretty cool. And we were supposed to go with them this year, me and Jackson. And uh, the trip we got it. They invited us last minute to go for Thanksgiving. Being a family man and a married man, I didn't really want to leave the, my my wife and my my youngest son. Uh, during Thanksgiving, but uh, that's a trip I want to take, man. I do want to take that trip, you know. If, so. you, if you get the opportunity, I, I would jump on it. Now, I will say, just for anybody out there that's thinking about going, <clears throat> two things: one, go with somebody that's been before. Don't don't four buddies that's never been try and go do it because you're gonna have a bad time and you're not gonna want to go back. Two, yeah. don't get a hotel, get an Airbnb. Airbnb. That's, that's two things because. The hotel, we got charged a lot of money, and an Airbnb, we would have got charged a little bit of money. A little so, bit. And of I would have had a bed to sleep on, not sleep on the ground. <laughs> Good point. That <laughs> makes a difference when you're uh, driving 13 hours there and back. Yeah. That's for sure. That's the, he told me, he said, that's the most grueling thing, he says, the trip. He said, you know, it's, it's beautiful. He said, but once you've done it once, he said, you've seen it already. So you get those those second, third trips. He said they get a little bit tougher as far as the drive goes, you know. Right. So, well, that's awesome, man. Y'all, it sounds like y'all had a fun, a fun first split. Uh, and now we're opening up this weekend, second split, man. I wish y'all the best. We uh, now since we've got to know each other, man, we need to we need to get together, make a hunt, man. Either we'll take a trip, go meet y'all, or we'll share trips. Y'all come meet us, and if uh, whoever's on the birds, I guess we need to get together and make a trip, man. Yeah, that's the smartest way. Yep, yep. That that's exactly the way we need to uh, go down. But man, anytime y'all need something, feel free to holler at us. You got a friend here in South Louisiana, man. And Fontno, dude, believe it or not, my well, not, believe it or not, there's a million Fontnos out there. But uh, <laughs> my mom was a Fontno, so 
we grew up in the Ville Platte, Evangelical Parish area. I got some relatives, like I mentioned, in Lake Charles. Uh, so, man, there's Fontenot's everywhere you go. But uh, we, we could be distant cousins somewhere down the line, somewhere there's no telling. <laughs> That's very possible, dude. It is very possible. That's right, man. Well, look, I have taken up enough of your time tonight, Connor. I appreciate you being on the show with us, man. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to Connor tonight. Connor, once again, where can they find you and what are they searching for, man, on, on your uh, content that you're putting out there? So the biggest thing for y'all would be to go to the YouTube. It's uh, Rising Sun Films. I do uh, waterfowl and I do a lot of bass fishing also in the spring and the summer. Um, and then I also have my Instagram, which is Connor.Fontno, where I post all my photography. Um, and sometimes videos, I actually do a lot. Some people don't know this because they're just recently following, but I, I started out with video. I do a lot of like, like, um, like the terminology is B-roll, but a lot of B-roll footage videos, you know, kind of at, like cool looking content and stuff like that. And then I have um, my Facebook, which is Rising Sun Films. And uh, yeah, that's about, that's about what we own right now. That's awesome, man. You can find them on pretty much all the social media platforms, so check them out. And we'll post links if you guys are tuning in, whether it's uh, YouTube right here, you're watching us live on YouTube, on our channel, or on our Facebook page. We'll post links to his uh, his pages down in there. Uh, but check him out. Awesome content, guys. And he's a great guy, obviously. I hope you enjoyed the uh, meeting Connor and getting to know him a little bit better tonight. So, Connor, I just wanted to tell you once again, buddy, thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight here on Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors, man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, buddy. All right. Good luck to y'all this weekend, and y'all take care. Be safe out there, man. All right, y'all too. Okay, you have a good one. Thanks, well, guys, there you have it. Another great guest here on uh, Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to the conversation that me and Connor Fontenot had. Uh, man, I'm telling you, he has some some really good content. He's an up and coming guy in the uh, in the outdoor content section. Whether you like YouTube uh, or Instagram, social media, Facebook, whatever it may be, Connor's a great guy. Has some good stuff out there for you guys, and he's only improving and getting better with it. So I look forward to seeing more of his stuff as we get down the road. But uh, man, yeah, he touched on you know hunting in Western Louisiana as far as Lake Charles area. Uh, Port or not, uh, what Lake Arthur, all those areas, and uh, he could bring a lot of knowledge. He grew up in that area, guys. So, for all of you listening that are heading out this weekend, and and you know you wanted to kind of hear some reports, uh, because you maybe not have, might not have got a whole lot of information uh, from that side of the state during the first split. He was able to share a little bit of insight uh, on what he saw, the experiences that they had out in the field, and hopefully you guys can put that information to good use, so guys. So once again, if you like this video, if you're tuning in on our YouTube channel or our Facebook Live tonight, we appreciate it if you give us a thumbs up and a like. Um, if you're not a subscriber to the channel, we appreciate it if you subscribe to the YouTube channel. And for all of you going to be listening to it on audio, don't forget you can stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We are now on iHeartRadio under our podcast section on iHeartRadio and many, many other places where you get your favorite podcast, guys. Until next time, this is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Y'all have a good night and take care. Hey, guys, Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Are you looking to protect or give your firearm a fresh look? If so, let Wrap It Up Cajun Customs take care of it for you. We specialize in custom vinyl wraps in your favorite patterns, from mossy oak 
and Realtree, as well as many others. Request a quote now by visiting us on Facebook at Wrap It Up Cajun Customs or give us a call at 985-687-3953. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors is brought to you by Benoit Performance Baits. Bait and tackle for all your fishing needs. We offer some of the best soft plastics for bass, sackalay, and saltwater fishing. Whether it's a day on the water trying to catch a mess of fish for the family fish fry or a heavy bag to win a tournament, we have what you need and what the fish want. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to place your order with Benoit Performance Baits today.